The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. We want to remember those affected by the shooting in Utrecht over there in the Netherlands. There's a tram that uh, police are looking for a 37-year-old Turkish guy, Gokman Tanis. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. He is from Turkey, 37-year-old. He doesn't look like a white Hispanic. I don't think that he's African-American either. I think we might have an idea of what the uh, motive is because the Netherlands are calling it terrorism. And uh, we need to be realizing that this is not just some one-off. You know, we're in the midst of a holy war that only one side is engaging in, and it's been that way for far too long. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Um, You know, the media is more concerned about hoping and praying that whatever incident happens, that it's white supremacy. You know, like what happened in New Zealand. You have those two mosques that were shot up. The two mosques were shot up by a guy who had a, what, 78-page manifesto? So he had some time to sit down and write a lot of stuff. And I think he threw uh, his hatred for Donald Trump out there, but somehow the media in America decided to thread the needle that it was all because of Donald Trump, you know, blame the Charlottesville scrawny white kids in their cheesecake factory outfits holding tiki torches up that they bought from Lowe's, those citronella torches. There was probably like 20 people that were there, but that's considered this earth-shattering national movement. That's all blamed on Donald Trump. And now, two things blamed on the New Zealand attack, which will probably get blamed on this attack in the Netherlands. That is semi-automatic gun violence and Donald Trump. It's amazing because we're getting that same argument again. Same crap online. Thoughts and prayers mean nothing. We need to do something. Your thoughts and prayers are crap. Especially from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that imbecile. But here's the thing. What people don't realize about thoughts and prayers, no one is considering that thoughts and prayers are going to be like Wonder Woman's armbands and just deflect bullets. No one is thinking thoughts and prayers are going to be like Santa Claus coming out and giving you a perfect life with no strife. No one is thinking thoughts and prayers are going to disable guns. What they're saying is, first off, in all things, and I've learned this personally in my own life, in all things, as a Christian, pray first. Something happens, pray first. You have a life-changing decision upon you, pray first. You have a situation that you don't think you can handle, dire need, Someone in the family, critically injured, maybe they've been diagnosed with terminal disease, pray first. This doesn't mean that you're going to be healed because you prayed. This isn't some wish list. What this is, is you are asking for guidance and comfort. You are asking for, and sometimes the decisions or the outcomes and the decisions that you have to make are not the decisions that you desire. But down the road, years down the road, maybe decades, maybe sometimes hours or months, the truth or um, how it all plays into a higher plan is revealed. But thoughts and prayers are basically Christians going, we're praying for you first. We want you to have peace. We want you to have comfort. You're in the middle of tragedy. And we throw thoughts in there with it because some people They believe in some higher power. Maybe they've believed in some sort of, you know, natural order, whatever the case may be. Well, if you don't believe in the prayers that we believe in that were given to you, well, then we'll keep you in our thoughts. You know, we're we're that um, worried about what's going on that your 
we're, we're keeping you in the, the forefront of our mind. That's what thoughts and prayers are. But to the average leftist who believes the government is their God, that taxes are the tithe to the First National Church of Gov, that a collection of flawed individuals can best regulate and best manage an entire nation of people's outcomes, and those people who are in power are somehow incorruptible, (laughs) even though they're getting bribes and they're getting kickbacks and they're getting sweetheart deals and they're getting deals for their kids and whatever the case may be. They're in the middle of dealing with situations and those situations end up benefiting them because they're never held to the standard. You know, if, if they want a situation to work in their favor, well, they're in power to make that happen. You, as the citizenry, the peon, you don't get to do that. But for some reason, the leftists place more faith in that than they do into a higher power. And so when you say thoughts and prayers, well, then you're given just, you know, you're being laughed off, you're being mocked, you're being chastised for not doing enough. And what they want to be enough is gun laws. They want more. You know, we had an attack in Brazil before the New Zealand attack. Highest gun laws, I mean, up there with California. We had this attack in New Zealand. And of course, they want to go through history and say, well, look, New Zealand hasn't had a gigantic, you know, mass shooting attack like this since the 90s. Maybe so. That doesn't mean gun violence is any different. That doesn't mean that they're not susceptible to any sort of terrorism because they've had terrorist attacks and even terrorist attempts. But what they fail to realize is they, too, have strict gun laws. In fact, they're going to have even stricter gun laws. Just listen to the prime minister talk about what they plan on doing. The terror attack in Christchurch on Friday was the worst act of terrorism on our shores. It was, in fact, one of the worst globally in recent times. It has exposed a range of weaknesses in New Zealand's gun laws. The clear lesson from history around the world is make our communities safe for the time to act is now. This ultimately means that within 10 days of this horrific act of terrorism, we will have announced reforms which will, I believe, make our communities safer. I strongly believe that the vast majority of gun owners in New Zealand will agree with the sentiment that change needs to occur. I, in fact, believe that they will be with us. Now, what is amazing is the fact that they're just going to zip out some new gun laws because in America, we have a constitution that protects your right to bear arms. We have a constitution that also protects your right to free speech. And that's why we don't arrest people for simply having a copy of an online published manifesto from this guy. We're not out there arresting people for having a copy of the video. The guy went into the mosque with the GoPro on his gun, taking out people left and right so he can film it. Well, some people have seen it. I haven't seen the video. I don't really care to. I've seen enough ISIS videos for the last five, six years that I don't really want to see this incident. But people have. And some people are using it for understanding some people are maybe using it to further their uh, maybe they fall in line with this crazy lunatic who wanted to start a civil war in america by attacking new zealand but and in fact the media is given right in falling into it let's jack up the gun laws in america because it's something that happened into a foreign country under foreign jurisdiction let's have all of our attention be placed on donald trump the president because you know he must be a white supremacist, and he supports white supremacy, and everybody who's white in America is white supremacist, and we need to attack white supremacy, and maybe Antifa will go down to New Zealand and beat the tar out of anyone else who wants to step up and do these things. But we don't have laws that can be willy-nilly switched right there on the spot to eliminate the type of weapon. I mean, we've gone into these, these discussions For the last few years, go through my show archive. You'll see all these discussions. You'll see the discussions on thoughts and prayers because every time there's a mass shooting attack, 
We have to show how anti-Christian the left is because they don't care about thoughts and prayers. They want to mock it. We have to show how Madison wrote in the Federalist Papers the real reason for the Second Amendment, and it was basically the armed citizenry as a whole would outnumber a collective established uh, governing army, and that is the checks and balance to keep things in check, to keep things ironed out, to keep the citizenry in control of the government on their individual end. And everybody goes, oh, well, you know, what, are you going to fight an army? Um, First off, people that sign up for the army, people that sign up for military service, they have a love of this country. Can guarantee you that when they are pushed up against the wall by whoever is uh, overseeing you know, their branch, whether it's a general, whether it's an admiral, whatever, and they're giving the orders to attack their own citizenry, yeah, they're probably going to walk off the job. They might even join the citizens. But one can say that a police force may be more susceptible because they deal with the public every day and they have a perception, even though they do it out of service, and the majority of them probably wouldn't turn it on their own citizens. There's probably a collection within the uh, police force that is so jaded and disaffected and disenfranchised by what they deal with on a daily basis that they have a skewed view of, of humanity in general that maybe they could be swayed. But even then, there would be more people armed who have a love for this country, a love for their family, a love for their church, a love for their community, that they only want to do it for defense and maybe they might hunt, you know, maybe they might shoot for sport, but the Constitution doesn't say what can be done on that. And we live in a country where that Constitution is held in sway because we revere those things. Same thing with the First Amendment. We revere the fact that you can speak your mind, say whatever you wish. Well, um, you know what country doesn't? That would be the United Kingdom. Yeah, they're not big on the free speech thing over there. They kind of, you know, you post some things on social media, you could be put in jail. I mean, it's amazing. But we still have this media that is looking for white supremacy, and they want to bolster that as being the big threat for terrorism, at least in America, maybe not the globe. And so they will skew facts and statistics to make it look as though gun violence is on the rise, even though it's not. Oh, domestic terrorism by white individuals of white supremacists must be on the rise, even though it's not. And they will do this because they're trying to paint that to be the narrative. We have an incident that happens. um, And next thing you know, we find out, oh, Oh, the guy driving the Home Depot truck when he was driving it in New York and mowing down all those people? Yeah, he screamed, Allah Akbar. We still may never know the motive. We get that kind of crap. You know, we get more crap like that when it's like, oh, he went into a nightclub. Um, it was a nightclub of homosexuals, and he gunned him down. Oh, I think he said Allah Akbar. Um, we still may never know the motive. He goes into a Christmas party. You know, they're all throwing down, they're having a good time celebrating the birth of their Savior, Jesus Christ, and somebody guns them all down and says, Allah Akbar, hmm, we may never know the motive. We got more of, you know, a continuation of evidence. We've got more of a parallel with all of those events. But somehow, white supremacy is the big issue that we all have to be worried about. Tell me when the last time you have seen Anything on a KKK rally within the last couple of years? Have you seen a KKK rally scheduled on the uh, National Mall? I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, used to be you would see that in the news and, you know, you would get disgusted by it. Even in the 80s, early 90s, you'd see them. They would do a march on the law of the you know, lawn of uh, the on, of the White House and what have you. And people would be disgusted, but they would say, well, you know, it's America and they can protest and, and, and march and do whatever if they, want, if they want to. They can organize that way. But haven't seen too many of those. The one that happened in Charlottesville, that was probably about 20. And even then, they weren't even completely all white supremacists. They were alt-right crazy people who are just more nationalist 
And a lot of them did fall into, you know, some sort of white supremacist, German, German loving, I don't know. But they're not in numbers to the level that terrorists are. But, you know, we've got a media that wants to support these, these incidents of terrorism by not reporting the details. We've gotten more information on New Zealand. We've gotten more information on this Turkish guy over in the Netherlands. More information on the attack in Brazil than we ever did on Vegas. Still don't even know what Vegas is. I've got my theories. The most videotaped place in America. <laughs> I mean, especially where he was staying. You can't even take a piss without a video camera hovering around. But, nah, no information. The few videos we did see were him bringing in suitcases, and we are to assume that every single one of those suitcases was filled with guns and ammo. We are to assume that even though his uh, girlfriend, who flew off to uh, the Philippines, I think, which also is an ISIS hotbed, where he wired a crap ton of money to, we're supposed to think, ah, that was just, you know, him just, he went crazy and he just had this little last minute thing he wanted to do for his girlfriend or wife or whatever. We don't get any scrutiny into that. And what we do get when it's looked at from those who are involved in ISIS, we get 60 minutes out there trying to give a woman voice who fled with his, you know, and, and had a child over in Syria. She wants to come back to America. We're going to do a 60 minutes expose on her. You know, I mean, what they do is they bring up things like this Pittsburgh synagogue shooting and they say, well, it was all Donald Trump. But when something happens like Ilian Omar out there spouting off, you know, anti-Semitic remarks about how the Jews run politics through money. Ah, no biggie. Oh, yeah, yeah. ISIS, um, you know, they got. These women, they just want to come home. They, they made stupid mistakes. They were they're just going through a phase. We should be kind and let them come back home. They've got a kid. All of a sudden, the left cares about kids. They don't care about kids when they're coming out of the womb, and they might you know, have to resuscitate them, and maybe they're not wanted by the mother because the mother has a career she wants to get back to, and she didn't take the right measures to not get knocked up. But... We really got to worry about the children who are trying to come across the border being exploited by MS-13 and uh, all the other drug cartels who we're just to assume that that's their mother and father bringing them across the border. They're not being exploited for trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking. Same thing here with this ISIS lady. But for some reason, these people are given the pass. They're either not reported about or if they are reported about, they're given this nice little sheen, this nice little glowing report. How about what happened in New Mexico? The jihadi terrorist camp. Remember that? We talked about this. A jihadi terrorist camp where they were training kids to cause mass shooting. Oh, we can't look into that. We don't get any reports on that. Luckily, the Clarion Project gave us an update. New charges of terror, kidnapping, firearms offenses, were filed by federal authorities against the New Mexico jihadi cultists. The indictments replaced the previous charges filed against Johnny Laville, Sirha Wahaj, the younger one. The older one is uh, actually Linda Sarsour, the Women's March uh, coordinator, one of her mentors. Oh, and he was the 1993 unindicted co-conspirator in the World Trade Center bombing. Yeah. His son was involved in this, and his son, uh, I guess his sister's, Herha Wahaj, Sabana Wahaj. Also, there was this guy, Lucas Morton. Those charges included conspiracy relating to the possession of firearms and ammunition by an illegal, uh, an alien illegally and unlawfully in the United States. The superseding indictment alleges a conspiracy to stage deadly attacks on American soil, said U.S. Attorney John C. Anderson in a statement. These allegations remind us of the dangers of terrorism that continue to confront our nation. And the allegation concerning the death of a young child only underscores the importance of prompt and effective intervention by law enforcement, he added. I commend our law enforcement partners for their ongoing diligence and outstanding work in identifying the disabling imminent threats and targeted violence. The five defendants were arrested last August after police raided their compound, although federal authorities 
were watching the compound, and then they held off on raiding the compound, and then they destroyed the compound, which I still don't understand that. Put that right in the back of your mind with Vegas. It is in New Mexico, by the way. Local police moved in after hearing reports of starving and abused children. The five were indicted by federal authorities after a roller coaster ride through the judicial system, which first saw them arrested and then released on a technicality. The five were subsequently rearrested by the FBI. Initially, uh, court testimony cited evidence of terrorism surrounding one of the defendants, Sir Hawahaj, hey, the, the junior, which included international travel to countries of interest, including Saudi Arabia, Morocco. Also, a manual describing the stages of terrorist attack found at the compound. FBI reports regarding Wahaj's other political activity and training of children on the compound to carry out armed jihadi attacks and to die as martyrs for Islam. Possible targets discussed were government, military, educational, and finance, financial institutions. So, teenage children, they were being given military training to carry out jihadi school attacks amongst other institutions of federal government. And you know what? Nothing in the news about it. Have you seen this on ABC? Have you seen this on CNN? In between talking about the Mueller case, which is dead in the water after beating a dead horse like Paul Manafort. Where is the reporting on Sir Wahaj Jr. and this training camp in New Mexico? Our sponsor for this portion of the program is Tar River Arms. Let's celebrate your Second Amendment rights. Go purchase some new firearms through America's first virtual gun store. Tar River Arms. They make it much easier to purchase a firearm online. And how do they do this? They do this by providing 3D interactive experiences to view and inspect any of the weapons you wish to purchase. No need to go into a brick or mortar store and deal with pushy salespeople. Tar River Arms is veteran owned, veteran run. They have great guns, great prices, great services, and they have weekly specials that eliminate shipping and broker fees. Your order, your pickup, no additional fees. Tar River Arms. Go to tarriverarms.com for details. So the news is going to just basically not cover what's happening in New Mexico again, but they are going to cover white supremacy, and this is actually global news. It's amazing. This is from Slate. The Christchurch shootings should implicate all white Australians. Shame and apology is not enough in confronting our country's virulent racism. Really? Isn't, aren't we supposed to say, well, you know, it's not everybody. Yeah, Islamophobia is because people are afraid of all Muslims, but not all Muslims engage in terrorism. That's what we're supposed to say, right? So why do I feel guilty? This is from Slate. And why am I so angry? Not just about the obvious targets, but about my country. I am a white Australian. I know that blaming myself and my cohort is illogical, but I can't escape the feeling that all of white Australia is implicated in the deaths, a white majority that has fomented and let foment hate. Alex Griswold, I think he writes for Free Beacon. He had some uh, interesting takes on this. He said, this is not a take Slate would push if the circumstances were different. In fact, he said, for those keeping track at home, white terrorism is a cultural problem. Islamic terrorism is not a cultural problem, except when it's carried out by men, which is indicative of a cultural problem, or they target, you know, maybe say a gay bar, which is indicative of a Republican cultural problem. Exactly. The way that they thread these needles is unbelievable. The way that white supremacy is somehow given the main stage as to what's wrong with everything in the world every violent attack domestic white men who have white privilege and it's all because of donald trump that's somehow they've brought it all back to that it's all about donald trump it's all about the fact that he ran against the establishment and we're going to get into a little bit of what the establishment wants to do to correct all of this you know, they, they have this mission now that they want to come out and correct the wrongs of the GOP, write everything back to the way it was before white supremacist Donald Trump decided to make the country great again and uh, fix the border problem. We're going to get into that on the other side of the break. 
This is Adrian Slade. Welcome back. So they want to blame Trump for white supremacy, and Trump was the cause and the catalyst of what happened in New Zealand. I bet he's going to be the catalyst of what happened in the Netherlands the other day. Of course, they didn't pin it on Brazil, but they want to blame Trump for the white supremacy that must have happened in New Zealand. And I guess it's spilling over into Australia. And the GOP wants to fix it. Conservatism conserved. Conservatism will be conserved again, whether it's the Never Trump Party at the Bulwark or it's the camp of Jeb Bush. Remember, the Bulwark is basically the weekly uh, weekly standard. It is the Bill Crystal's. It is uh, the Stephen Hayes. Remember, Bill Crystal decided when Trump was running that he was going to start the renegade party. Renegades! We're going to get a real conservative out there to run against Donald Trump, only that didn't happen. Oh, well, we, we can get David French from National Review to get up there and run against Donald Trump, and only that never happened. Oh, I got an idea. Let's get uh, Evan McMuffin. Evan McMullen. Head? Evan Head McMuffin, we like to call him. Yeah, he ran against Trump. I don't even think he pulled the state he was actually moving ahead in. But that's what they do. You know, Jeb Bush is out there saying, well, you know, maybe we need to primary Donald Trump. Let's just listen to a little bit of Heb. You spoke at Governor Hogan's inauguration. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize I was uh, in Maryland. part of his pre-campaign. Well, would, have you talked to him about it? Have you given him advice? And if, if, if not, this is a great opportunity. What, <laughs> what advice would you give him? You know, I don't know. I don't it know. Seems if, like a suicide mission. Doesn't it, it does seem like a, an uphill struggle. But I loved his inaugural speech because it talked about having to make tough choices and paying the price. His dad did it. He talked about John McCain. He talked about my dad, and. Uh, the civility and the courage to go against the tide at the right time, that integrity really mattered. It was a, it was a beautiful... Um, Does it sound to you like a prelude to it, a... It, when I heard it, I started to think, oh, I guess I'm here. I was introducing him, and I was honored to be there, and I kind of got a sense that maybe this was uh, an opening, at least for him to consider it. So, Do you think he should run? I think someone should run, uh, just because it, Republicans ought to be given a choice, but... I think you're probably right based on the premise you had that he has a strong, loyal base and it'd be hard to beat him. It's hard to beat a sitting president. But to have a conversation about what it is to be a conservative, I think it's important. And our country needs to have competing ideologies that people, you know, that are, that are dynamic, that focus on the world we're in and the world we're moving towards rather than revert back to a nostalgic time. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and run somebody from the right against Donald Trump when we have all these crazy leftists on the left spouting out infanticide, wanting to remove the Electoral College, wanting to uh, implement ranked voting. Yeah, let's get them in power. Let's hold them up. Great idea. That's conservatism being conserved, right? You know, because what they want to do, Tom Nichols and the crew are out there saying, well, you know, I want to vote for a Democrat because I want to have a conversation. Guess what? Your conversations are going to end if a Democrat gets into office. Your conversations online, if they aren't already being ended, if they aren't to the point where Devin Nunes is going to seek a lawsuit because Devin Nunes was shadow banned on putting out congressional information you know, Sean Davis at the Federalist, when he's getting shadow banned, people, and I've witnessed it myself on my own personal accounts, where my account basically turned into tumbleweeds and, and went dark for months. No responses. I used to get trolled all the time, and all of that just disappeared. All when we were joining together with other news uh, makers that had huge followings, all discussing why the Second Amendment should be upheld. All of a sudden, nothing. Banned people I know were saying, I, I can't, I don't even see your post anymore. 
So if you want to start the conversation, you're not going to do that by eliminating um, the GOP's chances in re-election. And, but, you know, they did this to Ronald Reagan. And this is not to say that I'm equivocating Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan. Of course, you know, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I am happy at some of the things that he is doing because he's doing some things that I don't even think a President Romney, a President Bush, I don't think any of them would have done. But remember, anytime somebody comes from outside of the establishment, like Ronald Reagan did, they're going to primary him. They don't want somebody that's not in the good old boys club to define what the good old boys club is. And in fact, remember, when Trump was running re-election in 84, John Anderson was the one to run from the right against him. He was with the National Unity Party, and it was basically an outgrowth of his presidential campaign um, when he tried to run in 1980. Now, Anderson hoped that the party would be able to challenge the two old parties. Wow, where have we heard that before? which he viewed as being tied to special interest groups incapable of responsible fiscal reform. Yeah, we want fiscal reform, right? Omnibus, right? Budgets, right? National debt. The intention was to organize the new party in California, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, the New England states, and others, all leftist enclaves. (laughs) That's interesting. And others where his previous candidacy had proven to have experienced the most success. The party was also eligible for $5.8 million in federal election funds, but its disqualification depended on it being on the ballot in at least 10 states. However, it remained unclear if the National Unity Party could actually obtain the funds. So Anderson was initially against running, hoping that another notable politico would take the party into the 1984 election. Wow, doesn't that sound familiar? David French? Doesn't that sound familiar? Bill Crystal, Evan McMullen? Who are they going to push to the front to conserve conservatism? So Reagan had to deal with this guy, Anderson, and he didn't even want to run. But he was pushed to the front of the line because the establishment wanted him there. And so now we got Jeb Bush. Heb Bush! is going to be out there talking about what it means to be a conservative. Yeah, what what does it mean to be a conservative, Heb? Mr. Bush? I know it isn't Republican demeanor or Republican class to have a tweet on St. Patty's Day of a Democrat candidate potential rival who has a history of a DUI with a photoshopped Irish top hat on his mugshot photo. But you know what? You guys played the safe ball for decades, and people aren't having it anymore. I know it's not the demeanor to rip on people on social media like President Trump does, whether he's attacking the news outlets, whether he's attacking his own campaign advisor's husband like uh, he did to Kellyanne Conway, or if he attacks a possible presidential contender such as former Vice President Joe Biden calling him another low IQ'd individual. He actually tweeted out, Joe Biden got tongue-tied over the weekend when he was unable to properly deliver a very simple line about his decision to run for president. Get used to it, another low IQ individual. (laughs) You know? But this classy conservatism has never gotten us anywhere. I mean, and, and what is this conversation that you want to start? You know, Mr. Please clap. Low energy Jeb. Is it the capitulation to the Chamber of Commerce, the business class that supports open borders like Heb does and wants to eliminate sovereignty because they need to fill those jobs Americans won't do for a wage below what the market would actually dictate? Is it the decades-long continuous funding to Planned Parenthood, even with the National Right to Life marching on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., which these days is about as meaningful as gathering up a crap ton of elderly people from the elder care facilities around the world and having them have a coordinated power walk on the Mall of America at 7 a.m. You know, after, of course, the daily prune juice and uh, the morning viewing of murder, she wrote, reruns. Oh, but I'm a fiscal conservative. 
those social issues, you know, they can do whatever they want. It's woman's choice. Yeah. Yeah. Fiscal conservatism. Okay. Then is this the same fiscal conservatism that keeps passing bloated budgets when they controlled all the branches of government? When they sat there and did absolutely nothing? And then, you know, after having the legislative branch and the executive branch um, and they go through passing nothing, they end up losing the legislative branch. They're voted out of power. And then they want to talk about doing something. Oh, man, darn. We, yeah, we got voted out of power. We're going to do something now, but we can't because we're just, we don't have the numbers. We don't have the, the majority. Man, wonder what happened when we did. Maybe we would pass omnibus bills that are busting the budget to all the hell. You know? But it's all Trump that's going to cause white supremacy and is going to destroy conservatism, even though nobody on the conservative side that calls themselves true conservatives that have been railing against this president even during uh, his election. You know, railing during the primary is normal. That I get. Hell, I did that. Because there was no track record to judge Trump on. There was just sound bites from the past. There was his run for the Reform Party. There was his... his different views and interviews over the years that, you know, his his charitable givings to Democrat candidates like Chuck Schumer and Bill Clinton. I don't know. We had nothing to go on. But now we got a record, gang. We got a record. And, you know, I guess it's going to be his closing campaign song. You can't always get what you want. But if you try, sometimes you get what you need. We get an embassy in Jerusalem. We get some tax cuts and some revisions in in the tax code. We get regulations being cut. You know what? I'll take those because I wasn't getting what I needed from Mitt Romney, the Bush family, the GOP establishment that's done absolutely nothing. Michael Steele, that washed up, failed, you know, leader. I mean, Reince Priebus down the line. So I think we need to... Think a little bit about, you know what? The GOP is going to have a hell of a time fixing itself once Trump leaves. But at least let's see it through until the end. So Trump is going to destroy the conservative movement, and we need somebody on the right to primary him for his reelection because we need to conserve conservatism, even though the conservative policies he's implementing don't seem to be embraced by these same conservatives. But not only is Trump supposedly destroying the conservative movement, he's also destroying social media. Believe it or not. Not that social media is not destroying itself, but this is from Adam Schiff. Trump calls press an enemy of the people like a third world despot wants FCC to take action against SNL allegedly sought to raise postal rates on Amazon to punish Washington Post, may have tried to kill a merger affecting CNN. He's a clear and present danger to freedom. Representative Eric Swalwell, I will do everything physically possible. March with my feet, shout with my lungs, and outmaneuver with my mind to stop this from happening in America. But you better believe Donald Trump will try. And I know you're with me, not on our watch. Now, he is responding to a report that Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed two new laws that impose strict prohibitions on Internet activities and speech. And they allow Russian authorities to jail or even fine people who spread fake news. Amazing. You know, it's so it's. Trump colluding with the Russians who are going to enact all these social media fascistic measures. You know, it's not that Sean Davis from The Federalist didn't get shadow banned. He actually said his Twitter experimenting with shadow bans by deleting tweets so others can't see them, but keeping them visible to you while you're logged in. I had to republish my original Lisa Page transcript tweet because it disappeared to everyone but me. And he showed, you know, evidence of this online. He said, 
screenshot of the disappeared tweet while logged in on the left, logged out on the right, original tweet URL functions while logged in, but it is a dead link while logged out. Timeline shows disappeared tweet while logged in, but it's missing from the version everyone else sees. Strange. Oh, Twitter confirmed with me today via email that it did shadow ban one of my tweets about Lisa Page's congressional testimony in order to keep people safe. Twitter deliberately deleted the tweet, the URL, yet kept it visible for me while I was still logged in, so I'd think it was still up. Amazing. And you see the email. I mean, it's, here's the tweet that he put up. This particular passage from Lisa Page's testimony about the FBI's Trump investigation is interesting, given that we know for a fact that a foreign national working on behalf of Hillary Clinton's campaign was working with the Russians to obtain damaging information about Donald Trump, and he has the evidence. And then Twitter emails him, Hello, our priority is to keep people safe on Twitter. As part of that work, we err on the side of protecting people and sometimes mistakenly remove content that doesn't break our rules. When those mistakes happen, we work quickly to fix them, and we have corrected the issue. Thanks, Twitter support. So yeah, they're not doing any sort of social media banning on their own. You know, would that tweet have benefited Donald Trump? Probably. (laughs) But we have to pretend that it is Donald Trump and the right that are being the fascist with social media. Even though Nancy Pelosi just reintroduced a measure for net neutrality in the House. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You know, I mean... They didn't get it the first time, so what are you going to do? You're going to do it a second time. You know, I mean, this is the left and their grip on tech companies, and they're pushing for the same thing that Russia has here in America. It's not Donald Trump that's doing this. And then, in light of everything that's happened in New Zealand, you know, we talked about the fact that if you have a video, copy of the video of the shooting on your social media, maybe the manifesto, you can be arrested or fined. And now, and this is the funny thing, in the manifesto, the shooter talks about how he wants to cause the media to overreact. They want politicians in America to overreact. He wanted all of this so that he can cause chaos in America on gun laws, on overreaction. And this is what we get from CBS Evening News about the uh, New Zealand prime minister. She vows to rein in social media platforms in a speech to Parliament Tuesday. They cannot be a case of all profit, no responsibility, she says. The terror attack on Christchurch Mosque was live-streamed online by the alleged attacker. So, yeah, we now have to put in the measures that are exactly what the gunman wrote about and exactly what he was hoping would happen. It's amazing. But it is Donald Trump that is causing this. Keep in mind, New Zealand is under a constitutional monarchy, that being headed up by Queen Elizabeth II from the UK. And of course, we know all about the craziness of the UK. (laughs) We know about how they will put somebody in jail for misgendering someone, how they will arrest you for hate speech. You know, they don't enjoy First Amendment protections Right, Tommy Robinson? They don't enjoy First Amendment protections that we have in the United States. Listen to this from Caroline Farrow. She was actually on Good Morning Britain. She said, had a message from Gudfield Police tonight about my tweets following an appearance on Good Morning Britain with Susie Green and Pierce Morgan. Susie Green has reported me for misgendering her daughter. I have pointed out to the police that I am a Catholic journalist commentator. And it is my religious belief that a person cannot change sex, that we are in the middle of a national conversation about what it means to be male and what it means to be female. Nonetheless, following my appearance on national television, the CPS have decided I need to be interviewed under caution for misgendering Susie Green's child. She even posts the provisions of the Malicious Communications Act and states, I am not in breach. I don't even remember the said tweets. I probably said he or son or something. All I've been told 
that following an appearance on Good Morning Britain, I made some tweets misgendering Susan Green's child and that I need to attend a taped interview. I don't even remember said tweets. This was in September, but I really not, I don't really give a flying toss. I've done nothing wrong, nothing illegal, and will happily do jail time for my right to say that people cannot change sex. Meanwhile, a group of people have terrified and harassed my family, doxed my children, made violent and sexual threats, signed me up to porn accounts, and did the same to my husband, threatened to visit here in Tumbleweeds. And he posts the interview uh, that she had with Pierce Morgan and Susie Green online. Oh, and if I don't go for an interview about some tweets that allegedly misgendered, I will apparently be arrested, which is nice. However, for those wondering if I am upset or hoping I am, nope, I have five kids. Might catch up on a bit of sleep if I'm in the clink. <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> kids can keep you running. But that's the thing. That's what we're heading for is a UK style uh, situation. You know, just like New Zealand's going to impose as far as social media. And Google has some interesting things that they're doing with Christian uh, organizations here in America. Even though the EU has hit Google with a big antitrust fine, $1.7 billion after the, uh, um, they basically said that they've had over 10 years of uninterrupted dominance. And so the, e the EU is going to fine Google $1.7 billion. The EU that um, is still grappling with Brexit, <laughs> they're still moving dates of, of elections and things like that. And one of the best interviews I ran across was Roger Daughtry from The Who talking about Brexit and the EU. You should hear a little bit of this. It's pretty funny. Uh, Brexit looks like it's getting further and further oh, away. God, is, is it going to be bad for, for British rock music? No, we're going to do the rock business. It's good. It's good to do the rock business. Are you going to tour in Europe? Oh, dear. Up? As if we didn't tour in Europe before the f***ing of you. Oh, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> On that <Right>. note. <laughs> give it up. Uh, thank thank you, you very much, Betty. That's yeah, great. We're going to go. If you want to sign up to be ruled by a f***ing mafia, you do it. <laughs> like being governed by FIFA. I've provided a couple of English shirts for you. Roger, Pete. I love that. Being governed by FIFA, ruled by the mafia. That's his look at the EU. You know, FIFA is like the NFL for soccer, and it was embroiled with tons of scandal. FIFA is a failed organization, and that's basically what the EU is. But maybe we can have some of that social media fascism here in the United States. Now, Google is obviously more than willing to oblige for any social media fascism that the left would call for. They're doing it in China. I mean, look what they're doing to help situate search results in China with the use of Google. You know, skewing things so that only things pro-Chinese government show up. Well, here in America, Google, this is actually uh, from, I think, the Free Beacon. Google banned, no, it's uh, Daily Caller. Google banned a video explaining Christian teaching on the same-sex marriage issue from advertising on YouTube after a backlash from upset employees. This is from an internal Google communications document given to the Daily Caller News Foundation. And the video was flagged in June 2018 in an internal listserv. Yes at Google is a company which is run by Google's human resource department. Um, they have more than 30,000 members, and they're devoted to policing microaggressions and microcorrections within the company, according to its official internal description. The initial uh, backlash grew to a video that was large enough to merit a response from Google vice president, who said the video would no longer be eligible to be run as an advertisement. Now, Christian radio host Michael Brown argues in the video that gay people are welcome as Christians but that, like every other person, they are called to follow Christian teachings on sex and marriage. Brown has spoken out in the past against homo-hatred and ugly rhetoric directed at gay and lesbian people by fringe groups, such as the Westboro Baptist Church. In the video, he describes same-sex relationships like other sins, but one that Jesus died for. The belief is that sex is to meant 
uh, meant to take place in the context of a male and female marriage, which is argued by Brown and is central to most major Christian denominations. Now, apparently this video keeps showing up on some of the LGBTQ videos as an advertisement. But what's telling is the fact that the Google vice president would step in on this. The fact that you can't even run that advertisement because of religious affiliation. So Google is fine with that type of fascism, but then they're also fine with allowing the Chinese government to minimize search results. They're fine with uh, calling out Islamophobia and things of that nature, pulling tweets that may have something to do with that, but then basically taking out anything with the Christian religion. We have to realize that there is a definite war going on with social media, and it's not Donald Trump that's doing it in cahoots with Putin. It is the government's in all countries wanting to control information because they want to disempower you. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. You can listen to the show on Mojo Five O. It is the edgiest and newest conservative libertarian talk network every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Midnight, Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time. And on Sunday at 5 p.m. Check out the podcast. You can check it out on Mojo Five-O's Spreaker page, Spreaker.com. Or you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast. Anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, MeWe, the official Mojo Five O social media site, Parlor, also on Snippy and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.